A few years ago, a student came to meet with me, and almost immediately in the conversation, in my own head, I came to the conclusion that there's very little I can do to help him. And I, I don't feel like I was mean or anything like that, but I was clearly trying to, to hand him off to someone else to help with the particular situation. I don't even remember what the particular situation was. The only reason I even remember this is that after an awkward conversation that was scheduled for an hour but only lasted about 10 or 15 minutes, we parted. Six months or a year later, the student called me and asked if we could talk. And I, of course, said yes. I think he had graduated by that point. And he said to me on this conversation, Father, I have something difficult to tell you. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, when I came to talk, do you remember when I came to talk with you about six months, a year ago? And I said, yes, I do. And he goes, I just want you to know how terrible a priest you were to me <laughs> in that moment. And in that moment, like, let's be honest, we are emotional beings. And as much as I am a you know, stalwart person and not super in touch with my emotions, that was gutting to me. Because the only thing I want to be in this life is a great priest. Not an okay priest, but a great priest. The standard for my life is Jesus Christ. And I will settle for nothing less than that. And so when he said that to me, it just it cut me to the core. I know I'm an imperfect being, but the fact that I wasn't able to love him, that just hurt me. And I'm also sensitive to the fact that I'm not the most emotionally available person. And so I really have to work hard at trying to be that. So when it comes forth in my ministry that I'm not available to someone emotionally, it cuts into my own personal wounds and my own understanding of my own shortcomings and struggles. But I also know that for him, this was a very difficult thing to do. Now, I've been a priest seven years and I've been a pastor here. This is my fifth year as pastor. There are many people who have no problem telling me exactly where I've gone wrong or erred in their opinion. <laughs> he was not one of them. I knew that for him... To call me and to say you were not good enough was a real challenge, a risk on his part. And he's a fairly risk-averse man. And yet, after that initial awkwardness, that difficulty, we had a great conversation. I asked him some questions. He gave me some advice. And that conversation is one of the most important conversations I've had as a Catholic priest. Oftentimes, we overlook the fact that the salvific mission of Jesus Christ is reconciliation. Us to God, yes, but also us with each other. Jesus, God, the second person of the Trinity, became a human being so that you and I could become one with each other and one with God. Heaven came to earth so that earth could come to heaven. And not in an opaque way or an abstract way or in a future way, but so that we could participate in that now. The work of Jesus Christ is the work of reconciliation. He desires for us to have the union that he has with the Father forever now and with him in heaven. But because of sin, that union, that ability is broken. And so what does Jesus do? in order to reconcile us to God and to each other. The infinite becomes a human being. The utter humility and the condescension of our God should overwhelm us. But it doesn't stop at the incarnation. He teaches us the truth. 
He calls sin, sin. He heals us and forgives us of our sin. And knowing that that is not enough for us, he dies for us. To show us our own pattern of behavior. That for us to be reconciled with each other, we must imitate Christ. And so what does that mean? We must embrace the cross. Those moments of difficult conversation where we have to call someone out in their brokenness, in their sin. Call them to communion. We must imitate Christ's love, though. We don't just do it in a cold-hearted and cruel way, but we do it with love. And yet, so often for us, the easiest thing for us to do is to avoid those conversations. This student who reached out to me had moved on in his life to a very busy life. He had a lot of things going on. And yet, and I thank God for this, he loved me enough to call me many months later to challenge me. But how often do we, and I say it to myself, the first among sinners here, avoid the conflict with the people in our lives? Because we don't want conflict. We don't want other people to be hurt. St. Paul tells us so beautifully in that second reading, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. When we refuse to challenge people, we do not love them. Indifference is intolerable to Jesus Christ. And yet, so easy is it for us to choose that again and again and again. We see ourselves and we see other people straying from the path of righteousness, of goodness, of beauty and truth. And so we say, well, I'll just pray for them or I'll just let them go and see where it leads. And in one way, we have to be prudent. We have to try to recognize where they are and meet them in their brokenness and love them in that way. But indifference is intolerable to Jesus. We must do and say something. In the gospel, Jesus so beautifully says that what you bind on earth and what you loose will be bound and loosed in heaven. We've just heard the past few weekends that he's talking to the apostles, but here he talks to the church. The reconciliation, the freedom that you and I need, we must offer and give to one another. Each of us is responsible. It is not just the responsibility of the holy ones, of the saints, of the priests, of the sisters. It is everyone's responsibility. Not only to give it, but also to ask for it. To seek it out. Because again, indifference is intolerable to Jesus. We are called to be that reconciliation in the world. We are called, like that student who a couple of years ago called me, we're called to embrace the awkwardness of the moment, the challenge of it, so that what? A mountain of grace can be unleashed. When we step into that difficult situation, when we say that difficult truth, when we call that, people, when we call that person we love to a higher love, to a more complete love, to a greater gift of self. It is never easy, and oftentimes it is not fun, and it leaves a pit in our stomach, and we are sick. But when we say that, when we do that, we are actually loving that person. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. And so we then are challenged to look at our life, and to look at our lives in three ways. Reconciliation with God, Reconciliation with each other. And probably the hardest one, reconciliation with ourself. 
because we are cruel judges of our own character and misbehavior. We still see ourselves in ways that no one else sees us. In the depths of my own heart, I still see myself committing the same sins and doing the same things that I did 18 years ago when I was in college. I have not done those things in nigh 20 years, but when I look in the mirror or when I think about who I am, what do I see? I see that brokenness. I see those poor relationships. I see that man who is adrift. And so we must seek out that reconciliation with God. Where does that happen? In reconciliation, in confession. If you've been away from the sacrament of reconciliation for a while, and when I mean a while, more than three or four months, come on back. Jesus desires to be reconciled with you and for you to be reconciled with the community. Because reconciliation with God leads to reconciliation with our brothers and sisters. Because we want those good graces and the blessings that God has poured into our hearts to be shared with others. And so when we are reconciled with God, we go forward to our brothers and sisters who have hurt us. And we are reconciled. And we challenge. And we encourage. Or we go to those people who we have hurt and we ask for forgiveness. All of this allows us to be able to look at our own hearts and our own lives with mercy, with tenderness, and with love. And so, brothers and sisters, we are called to be that watchman that Ezekiel says we are called to be. To be that minder of our brothers and sister. And to recognize, as Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in his name, he is present. When we take that step, when we launch into that effort to love with greater truth and goodness and beauty, someone to whom we love deeply and care for greatly, Jesus is there. Jesus is reconciling us to each other and to God so that we can share in that. Be like that student who picked up the phone and took that risk. Someone's greatness, someone's salvation might be the result of that five seconds of awkwardness.